it's uh, probably occurred to you, it certainly occurred to me that um, when you look at the biblical holidays, and uh, of course it's really important to recognize and delineate that in Judaism there are, well, there are lots of levels, but the truth of the matter is there are two significant important levels of distinction when we uh, study and look at the holidays and broad spectrum of what we call Judaism today. And that is, there's the biblical level and then there's the rabbinic level. On the biblical level, we know that almost all the holidays that we observe have both an historical and an agricultural element to it. So for example, we know that on Pesach, we historically celebrate the, uh, the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. And at the same time, the biblical record, the Torah, is emphatic that it is linked to an agricultural cycle. Emphatic. And that is the harvesting of what we call in English winter wheat. It's barley. Uh, in Canada, I don't think you, you would plant it at the, uh, in the middle of the winter. But in Israel, they do. And that it blossoms, it, whatchamacallit, it sprouts um, roughly around the beginning of spring. And that was a sign to people who were living there, spring has begun. But what's interesting to note is that the high holiday period that we're entering into now, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, there is no historical element to it. Meaning, there's nothing about the exodus from Egypt. If Passover is about the exodus from Egypt, if Shavuot is about after the Israelites left Egypt, they came to Mount Sinai and got the Ten Commandments, if Sukkot is about the story of what it was like wandering after they left Egypt, both Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur have no historical story to it. Although there is a historical story to it, but not connected to the broad story of our people in the sense of leaving Egypt. And there's no agricultural element to it as either. None whatsoever. Once again, Passover is about the emergence of spring. Shavuot times with the brief shoulder season between the end of spring, the beginning of summer, and the harvest of the spring foods that if you left them, the plants in the ground during the summer, they would burn and die. And then, of course, Sukkot is Chaga Asif. It's the Asufa Agadol. It's the great harvest. And so we see that by comparison of those three great pilgrimage festivals, the agricultural, historical ones, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur have none of that. But of the questions that emerge as we're on the lip, the cusp of Rosh Hashanah, the fact of the matter is that question pales in comparison to another question. Now to understand this question, I'm going to ask you to do a little bit of work. Are you ready? Not all of you are nodding. Now, of course, the chazan nodded his head. <laughs> but I need the rest of you to nod your heads. Are you ready? Yeah. There you go. Okay. So you're going to have to open this heavy book, the Chumash, to page uh, 523. And you're going to go to the very top of the page, page 523, to the very top of the page. This Parsha Temor, Parsha Temor is one of two Parshiot in the Torah that recount for us the calendar of the Jewish year. Everyone have it? Page 523 at the top, read as follows, and follow along with me, beginning on verse 24. Speak unto the children of Israel and say, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, 
You shall proclaim a rest unto you, a memorial proclaimed with the blast of the horn, a holy consecration. That, of course, being Rosh Hashanah. Doesn't call it Rosh Hashanah, by the way, but the blowing of the shofar is a clear indication that that is meant to be the observance of Rosh Hashanah. Now what you're going to do is you're going to turn to page 520. And on page 520, you're going to turn to verse 5. On page 520, verse 5, we read as follows. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month at dusk, it is the Lord's Passover. What's the problem that emerges immediately from here? Passover is called the first month. And Rosh Hashanah is referred to as month number seven. Another piece of information for you to understand the question more deeply, and that is, in biblical times, there were no names to the months. They only had numbers. The names came from Babylon. They were taken from the Babylonian calendar. So why is it that Rosh Hashanah is listed as month seven when we universally recognize it as the month or the moment that we flip our calendar to a new year? When Pesach, Passover, is referred to as the first month and that subsequently all of the other Jewish holidays are counted from Pesach. So much so that Rosh Hashanah is recognized as the seventh month. Literally, half of the year has passed by. The question takes an even more interesting twist, this idea of the naming of Rosh Hashanah, I have to give credit to. It's from a, a well-known rabbi in Israel. His name is Yoel bin Nun. I heard him speak years and years ago. He asks another question like this. He asks, why is Rosh Hashanah called Rosh Hashanah and not Reshit Hashanah? For example, the very first word of the Torah is Bereshit, because it was the beginning of everything, which only echoes the question that I'm asking. How can Rosh Hashanah be the beginning of the new year when clearly it is not? Because the imagination biblically was that Pesach, Passover, would be the beginning of the Jewish year. Springtime, exodus, renewal, planting, rebirth, over the narratives can be seen over and over again. So in life, we know that there are contradictions. And what's a contradiction? A contradiction is two ideas, two events, sometimes two people, <laughs> uh, that can't reconcile themselves with each other. They're opposed, sometimes diametrically opposed to each other. But a paradox is different. See, a paradox is something that appears to be contradictory on the surface. But when you look at it a little bit deeper, you realize that they're actually not contradictory. Their differences distill another truth. And I want to present to you in this morning that the story of Rosh Hashanah and Pesach, that it's not contradictory, it's actually a very important paradox to how Jews became Jews and how we became to think the way that we think. So let's rewind a little bit again. Passover celebrates the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. And in fact, if you were going to frame it in another way, you could easily say that Pesach, Passover, is the birthday of the Jewish people. The entire story 
of the Jewish people emanates and emerges from the exodus of the Jews out of Egypt. In other words, there would be no Shavuot, there would be no Sukkot, there would be no Rosh Hashanah, there would be nothing else if the Jews had not left Egypt. And so, in every reasonable respect, Pesach, Passover, is the very beginning of the Jewish story, and hence it is the moment that we count all the other things that occur over the course of the Jewish calendar. In the biblical imagination, it made total sense. You had to start from Passover because Passover was the start of where everything came from. Rosh Hashanah, according to rabbinic tradition, they ask, what does it actually celebrate? There's very little hint given in the, rabbinic te- in the biblical text, by the way. We're told about it being a yom mazikaron. In the, te- in the translation, it refers to as a day of memorial. Bad translation. <laughs> yom mazikaron. Now, in modern days, it's a memorial day. In Israel, yom mazikaron is, a, is the memorial day on behalf of those who tragically fell, sacrificed their lives in defense of the state of Israel. But actually, if you analyze the word Yom HaZikaron, it is a day of memory. In other words, there's a hint already that there's something about responsibility, about accountability, and the shofar blowing, which is the blowing, the sound of judgment, all kind of led the rabbis to realize that this clearly was Rosh Hashanah. But the word itself, the name never appears in the biblical text. It's a rabbinic name. And they asked themselves, why was this day established on the first two days of Tishrei? Like, why those days? Like, why not like three months before, three months after? Why, for example, does Rosh Hashanah come before Yom Kippur? Shouldn't Yom Kippur come before Rosh Hashanah? We're not going to answer that now. And they go to say that the reason why we observe Rosh Hashanah on this day for this reason is because it marks the creation of the world and humanity. According to rabbinic tradition, all of the world that we live in, all the human beings were created on Rosh Hashanah. For those of you who follow such things, you'll know well that after the shofar is blown, what do we say? Hayom harat olam. Today was the day that the world was created. So what is it? Is the beginning of our year Pesach or is it Rosh Hashanah? And it seems to me it's both. In other words, it seems to me the paradox is that you need both of these holidays to complete what a Jewish identity is. And that is this, if you think that if all you care about are Jewish causes and Jewish institutions, if all you care about are Jews who are suffering, that is only half of the story. Exactly six months after Pesach comes Rosh Hashanah. And if all you do is think about all the other troubles in the world, if you give to, God forbid, I mean, it should never happen, children who are starving in Africa and the United Way and this charity and that charity, but you never care for Jewish institutions, 
for Jewish charities, then you're only doing also only half of the story. The true, the better Jewish story is that we are the story of both of those things. We have the story first and foremost, the first part of our year is about an immersion, a dedication to the story of the Jewish people. That we must care first and foremost from what we do, what we come from, the things that identify and create and replicate and continue on the story of what it means and has meant to be a Jew. But you cannot stop there. You must take that story and then carry it out into the world. As Yeshayahu Isaiah says in the Haftorah from next week, take these things and then go out in the world. It's not for me that much I know. <laughs> and that the greater Jewish story is a story of caring for both worlds, ours and the larger one we live in. You can't be complete, you can't be whole as a Jew if you're not holding both of them in your hearts at the same time. And I think that's the reason why Pesach and Rosh Hashanah are equally divided straight down the year to show us that difficult, difficult balance that it takes to hold this in your mind. You can't build walls and live behind them. Jews have to live on both sides of the wall. As Elie Wiesel, the Nobel Prize laureate and Holocaust survivor, once famously, beautifully said that the Jewish mission in this world is not to make the world more Jewish. It's to make it more human. Shana Tovan, Shabbat Shalom, everyone.